Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast. I'm Chris Peterson here of HuskerBigRed.com and with me as always is Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org and we're back for another episode this week. It's another uh, been another busy week for the Huskers with MJ Sherman and then Arik Gilbert uh, committing on uh, Thursday. So we're here to break it down and I guess let's just start with the most recent uh, action with uh, Arik Gilbert, the former five-star tight end, ranked number five overall back in 2020. And of course, that's been a long time ago, but Danny, what are your reactions to this pickup for the Huskers immediate you know I'm not gonna say immediate impact on the field maybe because he still has to prove it but immediate impact in the tight end room this was a room that you know didn't have a lot of you know veteran leadership or veteran experience and you bring in a guy that fresh off you know a national championship and two national championships in his career uh you know when I was watching I was watching some of his uh highlights from the Georgia spring game um, this past season. And, you know, he's just very good hands, can make tight contested catches. Um, you know, he is a threat in the red zone and he's also very fast. He can make things happen after the catch. So a one-two punch of hypothetically Fedoni and Gilbert, that doesn't sound bad to me at all. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a really big addition. I mean he was uh, over had over 300 yards receiving as a freshman at LSU, and then it's been uh, you know he's been in the transfer portal twice now since then. Um, he only had two catches in the last two years at Georgia. He used 2021 as a basically a redshirt year, so he's got all the potential in the world. I mean, if you look at you know he was the number one tight end. Fedoni was number two, I believe, in his next class. So I mean, you've got two really elite uh, you know recruits there. Um, Fedoni's been hurt. Gilbert's had you know off the field issues. So I mean, there is a lot of talent and upside you know in the tight end room all of a sudden. But at the same time, if you look at it, you know over the past two seasons, these guys have caught two passes in college football. So I think we also need to, you know, temper expectations a bit with Arik Gilbert. And he also has to get approved, you know, for the NCAA for this waiver, which it sounds like Georgia, you know, isn't going to really oppose it or anything. So I'm sure he will get to play for Nebraska next season. Um, but you know, this is a classic guy that, you know, Matt Rule has taken guys like this and, you know, developed them into NFL talents. And we'll see if he can do that here with Arik Gilbert. But, uh, you know, of course, he wasn't the only, um, you know, addition this week, you know, from Georgia. Um, the Huskers getting the edge rusher, you know, MJ Sherman that came down, um, you know, just after we recorded our other episode, you know, earlier this week. So, you know, pass rush, you know, and tight end were two of the biggest needs. But, you know, looking back at, you know, MJ Sherman, what, what were your thoughts on that commitment for Nebraska? You know, I heard you talk a lot, and rightfully so, about needing another, you know, edge rusher, another pass rusher. Sherman could definitely be that guy. And, you know, I think um, he's very fast, another highly rated recruit. Um, you know, he's explosive, and that just gives Nebraska another, you know, tool defensively to really kind of put pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, I think, you know, building this sort of Georgia pipeline is a great thing for Nebraska. And, I actually saw Arik Gilbert on some mock draft boards with some analysts projecting he was going to leave school and go to the NFL. So, you know, th this is a really solid, you know, two solid additions. And quite honestly, Georgia's like B team or second team, so to speak, 
probably could go toe to toe with, you know, last year's Nebraska team, if we're being completely honest, because, you know, the tight end that Georgia had Brock Bowers, not too many people are starting over him. Let's just call it like it is. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, he needed some time to, you know, kind of get used to things. And yeah, it's been a deep, you know, tight end room there, you know, with Georgia, they had another uh, tight end that went to Georgia Tech, you know, see through that uh, Nebraska was interested in. Um, but yeah, Sherman was a big get, you know, I mean, Nebraska lost, you know, they're basically their top three edge rushers from last season. And, you know, I, I still think that, uh, you know, it wouldn't be if they could get more guys in the portal, maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing. But, um, you know, I think Sherman, Chief Borders, you know, those are two guys that can certainly help. Um, they've got athleticism. They can cover a little bit. So I think they're kind of versatile pieces that will fit, you know, in this multiple, you know, three, three, five defense. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's an it's a good move. And uh, Matt Rule it sounds like he's got, you know, some connections with, uh, you know, Georgia to the Georgia staff. And if you can get, you know, yeah, players from Georgia, I don't think that that's ever a bad thing. And. You know, it's going to create, you know, some competition and, and and that's something that's needed. But, you know, it's been a good a good job of uh, addressing, I think, you know, the biggest needs, you know, by Matt Rule and company, uh, you know, this offseason through the transfer portal. So I feel pretty good about, you know, what they've done. I know hopefully they can add a more some more offensive linemen. I, I know that you were mentioning to me off the, off the air about uh, that offensive tackle from was it Florida. Is that Florida, what you said? Yeah. Ethan so, White. And he's shown up in the directory now. Um is that what you were saying, Danny? Yeah, he. I I saw him in the directory earlier today, and for all the people who say that the directories are BS, I think there is something to it. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna come here 100%. But you know, I looked at Trey Palmer in the in in the directory. I saw, um, you know, Eric Gilbert in the directory. So there is something to these directories, and call us snoops or whatever. But it's public knowledge. It's public information. So. Uh, you know, I, I'd be very excited to add another, you know, tackle to the program. I think I'm pleased with how we've recruited the line and the talent that we have there. But I just want to keep adding more because if we can get, you know, a clean pocket for Jeff Sims, Casey Thompson, whoever, quarterback, bottom line, then that makes a world of difference. I mean, just think about what the connection of Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer could have done even more had he had you know, just a little bit more time to throw. Yeah, tackle's definitely the biggest need, I think, on the roster. You know, um, the interior, I, I feel okay about, you know, because um, I, I, I don't, I do think that Turner Corcoran could, you know, do a better job inside if he needed to. So, I mean, right now, he would have to probably be one of your, uh, you know, one of your tackles, him or, or Bryce Benhart starting. So, I think that that's, you know, a little concerning, but just have to see how things go, I guess. And, and uh, you know, hopefully some of these other, Younger tackles can step up too, but I'd be surprised if Nebraska didn't add another offensive lineman, you know, either in this, in this window or after spring ball to, you know, see how things kind of shake out with the depth chart. And I think we're going to see some more additions in the spring and probably some more, you know, subtractions. I know everybody's been talking about the scholarship numbers and I know Nebraska is well over that limit, but you know, Matt rule is not kind of slowing down and there's four recruits coming in this weekend for, uh, you know, from the 2023 recruiting class for visits. And frankly, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if all four of them committed to Nebraska. I mean, if the Huskers, if the Huskers want their commitments, then I think the Huskers can get their commitments basically is, is my point of view. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend. We can touch on, um, you know, each of these guys, but, uh, Danny, what's, what's your kind of impressions of this quartet of 2023 recruits coming in this weekend? I mean, I think they're, they're impact playmakers. Um, 
it, uh, there was the receiver Jeremiah Charles from Texas. He's a you know a kind of um, speedy receiver. He can make things happen after the catch. Uh, he can play on the outside, and you know he has a connection uh, with with Bob Wager. He played at uh, Arlington Martin, and so um, I think you know that's just you know more bodies in the wide receivers room. And to your point, Chris, um, you know. People are saying, you know, where are these guys going to go and this and that? And should Matt Rule slow down? No, he shouldn't slow down. Because slowing down is what got us into a mess in the first place. Now, granted, that was like not moving, period, slowing down. But, you know, slowing down is what got us into the mess in the first place. And then there's, okay, there's, there's Charles. And then there is... Um, Demetrius uh, Bell. Demetrius Bell, who I think is going to commit to nebraska i don't have any inside knowledge but all signs are pointing to him committing that way bell is a deep threat out of tennessee um he can really spread the field and you know provide that explosive playmaking ability and i also love that we're going into tennessee and kind of taking the you know taking a dive so to speak in the georgia tennessee florida i like that we're establishing some connections down there and then and then we got so bell we have Martin uh, Martin too, right? The tight end, um, Ishmael Smith Flores is that, the tight that's end. That's who it was, Ishmael Smith Flores, and he's another wager uh, wager uh, recruit. And you know, I think if you add more bodies to the tight end room, that's a good thing. I'm not sure where um, Flores will fit, but could you see, in your opinion, a guy like Carney or Rollins moving on after the spring? Um, you know, it just depends. I think there's a lot of, you know, you can play a lot of guys in your tight end room, you know, with uh, special teams and, you know, with, you know, having fullbacks and H-backs and stuff like that. But potentially, I mean, you could potentially see someone moving on. Um, but Smith, you know, Ismail Smith-Flores is a guy, you know, that, um, you know, Wager obviously coached him at um, Arlington Martin out of Texas. He's 6'5", 210 pounds, and this is his first year playing uh, football. So he's like a basketball guy that's kind of switched over to football. So I think he's got tremendous upside. Um, I really hope that, and I, I would, I believe Nebraska is going to close the deal with him. I, do um, too. I mean, I just, and, and uh, Jeremiah Charles too, you know, who is another kid from uh, Arlington Martin and Bob wager. And so uh, he's an interesting case too, because he was, a, he's a basically a basketball player, six two, one seventy, 170, and then realized he wasn't really going to get recruited as a, you know, if you're six, two, you got to be really damn good to be a D one basketball player. So um, you know, he wasn't going to get recruited there. Bob Wager asked him to, you know, convince him to come play football. He averaged 20 yards per reception, caught five touchdowns this year. Yeah. He has over a 40 inch vertical leap. I mean, he's just a freak. He had four yeah. slam dunks the other night in basketball. That's why they offered him. Um, and frankly, you know, I mean, you could throw him into the receiver room, but with everything that he has, his leaping ability, everything, I think that he could be a defensive back too. So, I mean, I would I would look at Jeremiah Charles as more of just, you know, an athlete take as much as anything. And, you know, they can get him at receiver, but if it doesn't work out or if the room's too crowded, he could easily flip, you know, over to the other side, kind of like Tommy Hill did last year. And they have flexibility, like you kind of just alluded to, at the wide receiver position. That's not something that we've always had, and it's nice to have flexibility because there's a lot of bodies, a lot of options in the wide receiver room. And, you know, Char Charles is just, He's so fast. I was watching him the other day, actually, and especially if you give him like a slant route or a crossing route, he can make things happen after the catch. He turns up field really quickly, and 
man, I mean, I would love to see that speed at the wide receiver room, but you know, that's speed could also be used in the um, secondary room. So we'll see. I think he would be a good asset to have either way. And then uh, Sua Lafotu, hopefully that's pronouncing the name right. Probably not, but um, defensive lineman out of California who visited, he released a top eight earlier this week. And like some of the top teams are Washington state, Arizona state, Nevada. He's obviously visiting Nebraska this weekend. So, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball prediction, but if I had, did have one, I would put one in for him, which he has started to get expert predictions now, which all four of these guys are, um, and, uh, you know, he's another guy, you know, when you play an odd front, you know, you need big uh, guys who can basically, you know, take on a gap. He's 6'4", 285 pounds. He's ranked in the 1200. So, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, four-star recruit or anything, but, um, you know, it, it's another solid addition. And, you know, I guess the thing is if, if Nebraska was worried about the scholarship numbers, I don't think that they would waste the time and money to, to, to bring these guys in for these official visits. So, unless, you know, there's some pause on their part to commit to Nebraska, which at this point I don't see, I mean, like, uh, you know, Ishmael Smith Flores and, um, you know, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, Charles, they don't have a, a ton of other offers right now. I mean, Smith Flores did visit Rutgers, and so he, you know, but Charles is Nebraska's only Division One offer. Um, I'm mean, not division one, but, you know, FBS offer, I should say. So, you know, I feel like, it, you know, as long as Nebraska wants these guys and makes the push and the visit, you know, nothing crazy happens on the visit. I feel like there's a chance for four commitments to come out of this weekend. I really do. I would rather us recruit a lot and have too many kids than not recruit anything and leave the covers bare. Cause that's what we have <laughs> been doing the past couple seasons, uh, particularly in terms of the defensive line room and you know up until more recently the wide receiver room so I would rather us over recruit than under recruit because under recruiting can severely damage a program and we've seen some of that in the past but you know I think I think this is could have the potential to be another big weekend for Nebraska football and I really am interested to see how some of these position battles play out I really am um you know, specifically the wide receiver room and um, the tight end room, just in terms of can the three of Fedoni, Rollins, and Carney, can they show anything uh, this season when healthy? So we'll see. I mean, but... Don't forget Nate Borkature either. Oh, yeah, Nate, <laughs> Nate, Nate Borkature. How could I forget? But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting... Uh, Interesting to see who goes, actually, I think, because I do think there's going to be some attrition, but we'll see. Yeah, I do know um, something that's interesting that I read this morning from Sean Callahan in the you know tunnel talk this week was uh, he was he got some quotes from Niles Paul, who actually the, the former Husker and played in the NFL and all that uh, was a wide receiver and tight end. And um, at any rate, he actually had seen um, Thomas Fedoni and didn't know anything about his injury history or anything and saw him working out. And he he compared him to uh, George Kittle, which. I mean, that's that's basically, you know, the type of comparisons Fedoni was getting out of high school. So, I mean, the thing that I am interested in with these two guys, I think there's a ton of potential here to go two tight ends. And you could really have, you know, I know Nebraska said they want to huddle, and I'm sure they, they will do that quite a bit. But, I mean, they, they'll have a lot of opportunities, I feel like, to go tempo. Because, man, if you have your, you know, come out, you have 11 personnel, right? You know, and if these two, the, the key is, is these guys have to be able to block. 
Because if Nebraska can come out in 11 personnel with Fedoni and Gilbert blocking and then run the football and then like go hurry up and, and get you out of like your, um, you know, your nickel just in your base personnel. And then you have to try to match up with those two tight ends who could run like wide receivers who are six, four, six, five. And then you have the other receivers on the outside. I feel like Nebraska could create a ton of, you know, matchup nightmares and Gilbert, has been has seen time as a receiver too. So I mean he could split out wide. You talk about, you know, throwing the ball up to those guys in the red zone. So it creates a lot of exciting possibilities, but they have to be able to to block it. But I feel like, you know, coming from Georgia, like I feel like that's already going to be instilled in Gilbert. And, you know, obviously Fedoni, I don't know about he's always known a little bit more of as, as a pass catcher as well. But if those guys can really work on those uh, blocking skills and be effective in the run game too, then this offense could be really dangerous with them both on the field. And in the SEC, you kind of have to know how to block. So I'm not too worried about Gilbert's blocking prowess, but um, man, you know, you just mentioned it, Fedoni, Gilbert, the wide receivers, and then don't sleep on the running back room either. I mean, this offense could be the most balanced in terms of weapons that we've had in a long time. And um you know, I think, not for nothing, but I think Tony White will handle a lot of the recruiting duties out West. So I'll be interested to see who uh, he can continue to land and how much of an impact he can make out there. Um, you know, Tony Tuioti, when he was here, he had the Western region and he recruited, you know, decent players, but they just never saw the field. So I'm kind of wondering how our ventures out West will go. I mean, I'm not going to make any guarantees or something, but I have a feeling that this particular Florida group, for example, will do better than the previous regime's Florida group. And so hopefully White's potential West pipeline will fare a little bit better than our previous one uh, two or three years ago. Um, and one thing uh, we should note on the, there is a, there is a key 2024 visitor coming in this weekend, Aaron Hampton. Um, wide receiver, cornerback, a top 100 kid. Um, he actually did get um, a, a crystal ball from uh, Brian Christofferson of the Husker 24-7, but he visited Alabama recently. And so Alabama, I think, has kind of taken over the lead in this recruitment. I know there was, you know, he was kind of tweeting at Dylan Rayola and, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but still a, a big visit to get him on campus. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, um, you know, they can move the needle with him a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think that's it as far as 2024 this weekend. I mean, they'll have to obviously the coaches got out this week and, you know, they made some new offers and, and there's lots of stuff kind of going on. But um, it'll be interesting to see who they start getting on campus, you know, more and more from that class. But, you know, he's certainly one of them. You know, we saw Matt Rule go out and visit, you know, Rayola last week. Um, and it's what do you like think our chances are? I mean, I think Nebraska's number two right now, honestly. That's that's how I, you know, he mentioned Oregon and USC along with Georgia. And I just don't, I just don't see him going to USC with Malachi uh, Nelson committed there already. I don't I just, either. Yeah, it's so um, Oregon, I could though. I, Oregon is interesting because they did, uh, they did sign um, a pretty solid quarterback in the 2023 class. Um, Austin Novosad, they flipped him from Baylor just at the very after they lost their five star Dante Moore, who, you know, went to UCLA. So I, I definitely feel like, um, you know, Bo Nix is going to be out after this year. So they could definitely sell, you know, playing to him. And Dan Lanning is a hell of a recruiter. Mm -hmm. So I mean, and he's got that tie to to Georgia. You know, he probably you know knows Dylan from you know when he was on staff at Georgia. I mean, that's kind of how far back these things tend to go. But 
like I said, I would I would put it Nebraska and Georgia in the top two, and I think Nebraska's got a shot. I, I think they've got to make sure they get them on campus, and then they've got to probably have some success on the field. But I, I give that pause because I don't think Dylan Rayol is going to be he's going to be committed before the twenty twenty three season starts. I mean, I would be shocked if he wasn't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he'll take his visits. You know, this uh, this spring, this summer, and kind of like Arch Manning, I'm I'm expecting him. At, at the very latest, to pull the trigger in like July or something. So, I mean, it'll be nice for Nebraska to be in the right direction, but I just don't think that's kind of one disadvantage is I don't think that they're going to have that uh, that time with him to say, hey, like this is the product we have on the field unless, you know, they're able to flip him or something late. Um, you know, Michigan actually is trying to get in with Dylan Rayola too. I think that's more of a, a ploy because they're trying to get another kid to commit. And uh, so I think they're trying to put pressure on – Jaden Davis was like the number three quarterback, and then they've been kind of trending in that direction. So there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of balls up in the air with the 2024 quarterback class, and there's a lot of dominoes that fall. Um, but I would, I'd give it, I would give it less than a 50 50 chance for Nebraska. I'd say like 40 60, he goes to Georgia. Yeah. And honestly, it would be hard to say no to Georgia. Back to back national champions, Kirby Smart's building something uh, very special. So, I honestly would love him here, but I, like I've said before, I don't really see him coming here. I know Nebraska fans get excited, but, you know, I don't see him coming here. And quite honestly, we don't have the winning product on the field that he can turn to and say, okay, this is a winning program right now. You know, this is something I want to, you know, continue and keep contributing to. We're starting from scratch. Maybe if a really good quarterback prospect comes along in a couple of years and you know, there's a, you know, two or three or four consecutive winning seasons, then maybe we would have a better shot with a, you know, top tier quarterback. But for right now, I mean, it's hard to say no to Georgia. Let's be honest here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, and yeah, Nebraska doesn't have, you know, that development really to sell. I think the X factor for me is, you know, one, how is he going to connect with the with the coaching staff? And I think Matt Rule did a good job, you know, when he went out and visited them. I know Marcus Statterfield went out and did a visit with him. So, you know, I, th- I think that those guys have made positive impressions, you know, on the Rayolas, you know, for whatever that's worth. And I, I do think that there's this X factor of like how much does how much does Dylan Rayola, you know, really personally care and, uh, you know, like love Nebraska football, you know, like. I know his dad played there and I'm sure that they've like watched a lot of games growing up. I know he's been to a lot of games. I mean, all that type of stuff. Like, so does that connection to Nebraska, does that mean something more than Georgia? Can Nebraska like get itself to a point where, you know, it's almost level with Georgia, but that's kind of the thing that can sway it for Nebraska. I don't know, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they get him on campus and, you know, you can go from there, but that that's the first step. But I think that Matt Rule at least has Nebraska, you know, in the game right now. And that that's the that's the biggest thing that you can say. Yeah, and I think, you know, his personality makes him a very good seller of things, seller of this program. And, you know, I think this coaching staff has also done a really good job of selling the program. I mean, look at how quickly they've kind of made the 2023 class in just a matter of weeks. And you know, I think we will get a lot of quality 2024 recruits, but you can only do so much in recruiting without doing anything on the field. And, you know, right now, I think we got to show results on the field. And, um, you know, especially it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I mean, Cormani McLean just slipped to Colorado. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, moving parts. And, you know, I think um, 
I'll 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 just say it right here. I'm not sure I buy the Colorado hype, but there's no denying that Coach Prime is landing impact players. I mean, Travis Hunter, Cormani McLean, that, that's a very good uh corner duo right there. Yeah, and, and uh, Shadur Sanders is pretty darn good too. And look, they're gonna be they're gonna be a solid team. I think they're gonna be better than people expect. I think he's gonna have success there, and that's why I don't think he's gonna be there very long because I think he's gonna win some games. Um, it wouldn't shock me like if Colorado was in a bowl game this year. It really wouldn't. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if in uh, you know two years from now we're talking about Prime coaching somebody in the SEC or you know what I yeah. mean. Like I know people were talking about Florida State, but that's not happening because. That that team is freaking loaded for next season. So they're yeah. unless unless they fall in their Mike Norville and the Knowles like fall on their face next year, then maybe. But um the thing, you know, Prime's doing a good job recruiting. And hell, that's what that's I mean, he's an NFL superstar. If you were a cornerback, why wouldn't you want to play for him? Um, I just don't like I hate the reality TV show yeah. stuff. Like that Tim Brewster video was just cringeworthy. Like, yeah, why are you why are you recording yourself having these kids stand up and stand? It's like you're obviously, I mean, if you have to go into a room and like make people like act like you have authority instead of just naturally having authority, like it's just, I don't think Matt Rule has to do that corny shit. And I know that Colorado fans want to take, want to make fun of his emojis or whatever, but at least he's out recruiting. And I know that Prime is doing that too, but it's like, why do you have to make everything into like a reality video? Like it's just, I don't know. Yeah. And then, he, and then yesterday, he had, you know, he had a video where where uh, Prime was telling the team how they they had all the women staffers in Colorado lined up in front of the team, and he was talking to them how they were gonna, you know, speak to women. And I, I mean, yeah, obviously you have to respect women in the workplace and all that type of stuff, but it's like, why does this conversation need to be recorded? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you could have done all that without the cameras, yeah, and it probably totally would have been. And then it's like you're just throwing these ladies up, and it's like. I just, I just don't like it. And it's like, are you going to be a football program or a reality TV star? Like, what's the deal here? And quite honestly, if I want to see a Colorado video, get Tim Brewster off my screen. I don't want to see him. Yeah. I want to see Prime. I mean, let's be real here. I want to see Prime. And, you know, I do, a, like, that whole stint about, you know, this is how you respect women. I totally, like, I'm totally on board with that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, that's just, like, I mean, filming it and uh, – yeah, it was just cringe. It was just, yeah, I don't know. It was just cringy. I just didn't. I felt. I felt awkward for the women too. Know. You know, it's just. It just was weird. And yet, I think Tim Brewster is like, he's like, I'm going to be the next reality star after Prime leaves. So I don't know what his deal is, but Tim Brewster a, also sucked as a head coach. Yeah, so. yeah, he did. Well, you know, but if you can act like you're a head coach, maybe that means something. I don't know. <laughs> right scott <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun um you know a seven eight months leaning up to this uh nebraska colorado game i i feel like the social media rivalry has already taken off quite a bit yeah it's gonna be a fun uh couple months leading up to the minnesota game too i'm excited for that like those first two games i think will tell a lot about the program and i know it's a new staff and this that and the other thing but those are two really big games um, and you know, you know, all eyes will be on that Colorado game. I mean, I can't forget the last time we played in Boulder, we were winning. Steven Montez was the quarterback for Colorado. Our defense just looked absolutely, our defense looked like me after Thanksgiving in a coma, unable to move, just absolutely gassed. And they lost, I believe in the fourth quarter, which, you know, yeah. sounds really familiar, but I think, um, yeah, they lost in the fourth quarter. 
bunch of Nebraska fans came to support, and I just don't want a repeat of that because that was a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, that was another one of those games that, you know, it was like could have been a defining type of win. Like it was uh, Frost's second season, and it was all supposed to go well. And they got like a 17-point lead and then they pissed did. it away, you know. For the yeah. second straight year in a row, they pissed it away against Colorado, um, which was just really, really annoying. Um, so, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen again. But can you imagine, like, just looking ahead? I mean, I know we're a long way from this. I'm not making any predictions. But what if Nebraska comes out and beats Minnesota and Colorado? Just like That'd people, be nice. people are going to be just, you know, talking about the national champion. I mean, literally, Nebraska fans are going to be like, we're going for six, you know. When's the last like, time we've had a 2-0 and start to the season? Oh, my God. Probably uh, 16 when, you know, Riley's uh, – the one good season Mike Riley had, I think, which was 2016, or maybe was that 2015? I'm going to look the, I'm, I'm gonna look that up, but then there's even more interesting uh, plot line on the schedule as we face old friend DeColdis Crawford in, what is it, week three or four with Louisiana Tech? Uh, I don't quite – I don't quite remember, but, yeah, I forgot about – I forgot about that one. That'll be a – Maybe his maybe his maybe he can still get some traction out of his NIL deal if he comes back to the state one time. Wonder how much he made off of that. Yeah, I, I don't wonder. know. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. 2016, um, Nebraska won. <laughs> Nebraska won every game up until October 29th, and then they suffered their first loss. So to Wisconsin, right? Just crushed us. Um. Yep. Let's see. 23. Hold on. 1723. So not a crushing. Oh, but okay. then the week after that, which I bet which I bet you're thinking of, uh Ohio State, we lost uh 62 to 3. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that was a good know. Ohio State team too. Yeah, I'm that was a really good Ohio State team. Yeah, that was that was when I think everybody kind of realized like, oh, Mike Riley really isn't that great of a coach. And then the next year he really sucked, and then Scott Frost really sucked. So here we are. I have to say, watching Ohio State crush us, like has not been fun as a Nebraska fan, but as a football fan, because I remember uh, when Ohio State came in 2019 for College Game Day. College Game Day was there, and Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, oof, they absolutely ran all over our defense. And Chase Young was coming, you know, off the edge, and it was like as a football fan, I loved it, but as a Nebraska fan, I was embarrassed that College Game Day uh, was there to see that because there was so much hype going in that game and. Yet we couldn't deliver. Sounds familiar. Yeah, and um, I'm hoping that uh, Matt Rule will change that. I really think yeah. he's going to, though. I think I, I I've said it before. I think we're going to win seven yeah. or eight games. I'm not at the get out of here with the six. We need eight, you know. But I this actually, is a I very mean, friendly schedule. It honestly. is. It is, and you know, the Big Ten's going to be tough though. But the Big Ten West next year really is wide open. I mean, I don't think that anybody's debating that aspect of it i think it's probably going to be the last year of the big 10 west i mean as we know it because obviously usc and Oklahoma, or usc and ucla are coming in and i think i just really hope they get rid of divisions or i don't know what to, i don't know what to do frankly with the um you know with the 16 team leagues and like because i just if the big 10 the only bad downside of going away from divisions is like, so what if it's, you know, Ohio State and Michigan, so they're just going to play two weeks in a row for the championship? I mean, how stupid is that? So I just, I and that's not just a Big Ten thing, but, I mean, we saw, we've, you know, we saw that in the Big 12 championship game, and, you know, we see all these rematches, and I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing for college football, but it, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what it all looks like for Nebraska. But, I mean, in terms of this net upcoming season, 
I mean, I don't see, I know, uh, you know, Wisconsin and Luke Fickle are going to be there. I mean, I'm sure Purdue's hoping they're going to be around Illinois, but they obviously have a new quarterback and they don't have uh, Chase Brown anymore. So, I mean, that's a, and, and Illinois got, you know, um, a couple of dudes that are getting picked pretty high in the draft uh, at cornerback. So, I mean, they're losing. Well, their corners were really, really good. So, yeah, I think both of them, or, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of them that are getting, you know, projected really high. So, I, I just think that those that's going to be tough losses for them to overcome and produce, you know, losing their their quarterback. I know they got Hudson Card from Texas, so he's pretty good, but it's just going to be it's going to be crazy because Wisconsin, um, Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois are all going with, uh, you know, basically transfer quarterbacks. I mean, unless Casey Thompson, you know, wins, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, Northwestern, I think, is not very good, but. I no, never they, weren't, they they weren't very good last year. Let's be I honest. I know, but we still lost to them. So I know, I, mean, I know. <laughs> just but kills no, me. I think even Minnesota, like we always made Tanner Morgan look like Joe Montana. Yeah, but I think you know their backup quarterback is also good as well. Whether or not that's because our defense is just so bad, um, is one thing. But I think their 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 quarterback that they brought in, I forget his name, um, he played very well against us and. He had a bit more mobility, and we used to struggle with mobile quarterbacks. I'm hoping that's not the case again this year, but I think Minnesota will be a challenge as well. I know they've lost Mo Ibrahim, if I'm correct. Is that yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that's a that's a big loss that's right a, there. That's a big loss. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. You, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but people do. I, I feel like are overlooking Nebraska's running back room. I mean, Anthony Grant had. Behind, a, I mean, an offensive line that wasn't in a great position and didn't run the ball enough, but he still almost had a thousand yards. And then uh, AJ Allen, you know, I think is going to be a big time player. I think both of those guys are going to have, you know, I mean, I don't want to say they could both get a thousand yards, but they have that kind of potential. I mean, if AJ Allen got enough carries, he could absolutely get a thousand yards. And if you, you know, add a little bit behind this offensive line and you think about the receiving weapons and the tight end weapons, I mean, this offense does have the potential to be pretty explosive. Oh, yeah, and, you know, it has the ability to kind of control the pace of the game as well because what Mark Whipple didn't do correctly last season was pace. And, um, you know, they he just was go, go, go all the time, and I don't think you're going to see that in a Marcus Satterfield offense. I think it's going to be a bit slower, which, quite frankly, it needs to be, if nothing else, to give the defense some rest. And I also think we're going to see a lot more running the football. So I am optimistic. I know there were some questions about, Satterfield coming in but um you know I am optimistic about what he can do and I think um he's he's going to be surrounded by a lot of playmakers so we'll see we'll see what he does but I'm very confident I think at least we'll run the football more which uh, we just didn't last year for whatever reason so I guess because Chubba Purdy wasn't a running back really we didn't run the football a ton last year I think, uh, yeah, I think Matt Rule is gonna is gonna run the football a lot, and um, you know the offensive line. Hoping, I, I I feel like they'll play better, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but I really feel like that Matt Rule is gonna you know surprise people with this team. I think he's gonna you know get the most out of players that you know that even a lot of us as fans have just you know basically written off. I mean, I think uh, he's gonna have a, a massive impact, and we're gonna. I think like when we're sitting here next year at this time, we're going to be like, oh, that's why Nebraska's paying Matt Rule nine million dollars. I mean, he's a great recruiter, but he's a great coach too. And that, and that also, um, I mentioned this before, but that goes to you know developing his assistant coaches. I think he's a he's a guy that's proven he can develop, 
you know, assistants. I mean, he's got guys that were on his staff that have been head coaches elsewhere that he plucked from high school staffs before. So um, I think he's just making a lot of really great moves. And I think we're going to be proud of this football program next season. That's that's one prediction that I have going for uh, 2023. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch, any of those. I think, um, you know, I think there is a lot of hope surrounding this program. And I think, you know, Matt Rule understands what he needs to do. Um, and, you know, I think you know, obviously the games have to be played on the field, but I really do think the talent is there to succeed. And I think the coaching staff is, is you know, going to be, you know, a key part of, you know, what this team does. And, you know, last season we had five or seven, whatever, different coaches with seven different agendas, I think. <laughs> yeah, we really did because you yeah. had – Rayola trying to figure out his line and you had Mark Whipple who did him no favors by you know not doing the thing that they did best which was run the football and run blocking then you had Mickey just trying to make you know chicken salad out of chicken shit with the wide receivers and then you had Scott Frost at the bar so they were all over the place and (laughs) and so it'll be nice to have what appears to be a cohesive staff I don't think there'll be too many egos and I'm just hoping I'm 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 praying and hoping that this is the year we get something going. I really am. At least at least the bowl game, but uh, you know. At any rate, to digress and before before we wrap it up, we probably should touch on uh, basketball a little bit. I know we yeah. haven't, you know, touched a whole lot on the Huskers, but they did get a big win this week over Ohio State on Wednesday night. It was an ugly game. It was like 23 to 22 at halftime or whatever or whatever it was. I don't know. But um, the Huskers found a way in the second half. You know, Sam Greasel had a really good night, um, you know, 15 points. I think he had seven rebounds, and like four assists. Um, Denim Dawson came in and really played solid defense with, uh, you know, um, Gary being out for the rest of the season now. Um, so Nebraska's playing Penn State this weekend on the road. Um, they're a team that they shoot the hell out of the ball. They shoot a lot of three-pointers. Um, I'm trying to, I can't remember all the guys on their roster, but, um, they, that's basically what they live and die by the three. So if Nebraska's defense can, uh, you know, keep doing a job, you know, on the, on the three point shooters, which I feel like they've done pretty well at that. Um, they're going to have yeah. a chance and they're, they're 10 and nine right now, you know, three and five. And, um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, if I was going to grade this team and, and Fred Hoiberg, I feel like I would at least give him a solid B. I, I feel like Fred, you know, he he subbed out, uh, you know, he put Casey Kaisei Tomonaga in the starting lineup over Wiltshire. He put Dawson in over. Which was a good move, I think, because Wiltshire yeah. struggled this year, and it's unfortunate to see. And uh, and he made the move for Dawson over Breidenbach. Not that Breidenbach hasn't played well, or did, but it just wasn't, that matchup wasn't going to fit Wilhelm Breidenbach. It was going to put him in a tough spot defensively. And, and so I thought that Fred made two really good moves. And, uh, you know, he trusted the freshman Lawrence, hit the big three. So I thought Fred had a really good night coaching at any rate. Yeah, and, you know, I think when you look at the roster, you're seeing players like Denim Dawson kind of, really start to emerge and that's good for the future of the program and you know at the same time I worry about you know losing a guy like Greasel or Walker next year I wish we had them both for another year but you know it'll be interesting to see who steps up uh in the you know absence of Juan Gary I mean that is a I'm not going to say it's a monumental loss but it's a pretty big loss because he gave energy to the program um and he was a very good uh, mid-range shooter and a very good defender. So I'm just happy that we beat Ohio State second time in less than a year that we beat Ohio State. And 
if you recall, we almost beat them in January. We actually had the lead. Uh, it was a Sunday game, and we almost beat them then too. But um, unfortunately, we couldn't close the game. So good to see us kind of really, find, you know, kind of slog our way through Big Ten play. And it is a slog. These are tough games. And Nebraska has been able to hold their own with the exception of maybe Illinois. I've been impressed with the effort so far and Purdue or Penn state is going to be another tough one. So um, if they can keep the game close and continue their solid perimeter defense with their rotations and, um, and quite honestly, if I'm Fred Hoiberg, I wouldn't worry so much about the inside. If they, if they get inside baskets, that's fine, but just defend the perimeter. Don't foul. And you know, maybe they'll have a, shot against Penn State and we beat Penn State then you know things are looking promising for sure <clears throat> I know uh Penn State's not a great uh two-point uh defensive team especially they don't they don't um you know allow a ton of I think that's one of their main focuses is not allowing a ton of post-ups so we'll see how what Derek Walker does but he scores against everybody so as long as, as Derek Walker gets some touches like he's gonna score points he's like a machine uh, but, yeah, losing Gary does really hurt because he's such a versatile piece, but at least he can come back next year. I feel bad for him, though, because this is like the second time he's, uh, you know, had a season-ending injury. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, winning Big Ten games on the road is very difficult. And I remember after we beat Minnesota, you know, and I wrote a, a post at HuskerBigRed.com and about how it was a huge win, and some people kind of ridiculed me for that. But any any win, I feel like, for Nebraska right now on the road in the Big Ten is a big win because if you get – you know, if you can win, they've got one right now. If you can win two or three on the road and then just, you know, try to win the rest of your games at home, then you're going to end up with a pretty solid record. So um, hopefully they can find a way to steal one at Penn State. I feel like this is going to be one of their best chances because the schedule is not easy. And, and – there isn't an easy night in the Big Ten at all. I mean, every single team can beat you. And, I mean, Minnesota's the worst team, and they're not a bad team at all. I mean, compared just comparatively to everybody else in college basketball. Yeah, and, you know, this is one of the tougher basketball conferences. I'd say probably the toughest because the ACC, I mean, you're starting to see, you know, the bottom and the top kind of separate themselves. And, you know, in the Big Ten, sure, you have the top and the bottom, you know, teams, but – all those teams will play hard on any given night. So, you know, I'm pleased with the effort that the program has shown so far. And there's definitely some, you know, um, likability about this team. And, you know, they play hard and stuff. My only worry is that, you know, with these transfers, you know, Greasel, Walker will be gone next year. How will they kind of bounce back from that? Because if you take those two out of the equation in a game, then – it severely hampers uh, Nebraska basketball. And, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, what happens next year when those two are gone. Yeah, that's, I mean, Fred's going to have to, you know, point guard and uh, the post position. I feel like, you know, the hope is that Brian Bach will be able to step in and be the a starting center next year. I think that's his more natural position is the five, but, you know, we'll see if he's, if he's ready. If not, I would expect him to do the transfer portal and I would fully expect a transfer portal point guard next year and uh, but hey man you never know like uh penn state you know, look at back to penn state just to talk about them for a second i mean they've got you know a lot of guys out of the you know jalen pickett um seth lundy so that you know there's a lot of teams that are finding success in the portal and pickett's gonna be um you know a big key he's averaging 17 points a game seven rebounds seven assists for penn state 
So, I mean, he's going to be a guy that they're going to have to rein in. But really, if you look at their lineup, there's there's only one guy that, um, you know, plays semi-regularly that is above 6'6". So, I mean, that that could be a big advantage for Derek Walker. I feel like that could be an advantage for Greasel. And honestly, I think whoever plays better out of that Jalen Pickett-Sam uh, Greasel point guard matchup, I think that's going to be who wins the game because it seems like when Sam Greasel is able to, you know, have those games where he's scoring like, you know, 13, 15 points and getting like five, six rebounds, five, six assists. That's when Nebraska's at their best. And if he can do that and play really good defense on Penn State's best player, then I think the Huskers are going to have a puncher's chance to win tomorrow um, on Saturday. So, to, uh, what, 11, 15 Central Time tip on uh, Big Ten Network, not BTN Plus. So, actually get to watch it. Is it 11, 15? I thought it was a two. I, I, I thought for me it was a 2, 15 start. Let me see. You're right. Oh. You're right. No, I am. You're right. I'm uh I forgot that uh, they had it in the in my time zone. So yeah, you're right. It is gonna be it oh is a, it is a one fifteen central time. My bad. Ah, okay. So now we're entering tr- three different time zones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We're... No, that makes sense though. I mean, but yeah, I mean I think Greasel also does a good job of controlling the tempo of the game and you know, Walker does that uh well too when they give them the ball inside and he can work a little bit inside. So you know, I'm 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 interested to see how this game plays out. I definitely think they have a chance. Like I said before, the only game where they really kind of um, didn't play well or were blown out of it immediately was was Illinois and maybe um, maybe another game at the beginning of the season. I can't remember, but you know, yeah, they had one that St. John's one got kind of yeah. ugly, but they were in it for a half though. So. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I I mean, I think. Um, this is another big game for this team, and if they win, then they'll really start trending in the right direction. Then we're gonna start checking the bracketology. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the One NI- day. maybe the NIT bracketology, but that would still be a big step for this team. So I would I yeah. would definitely take that. Um, and it would be huge for Fred too. Yeah, it would. Um, so that'll we'll we'll keep talking about that in the uh, coming weeks and days. But we'll be back on Monday, hopefully, talking about uh, you know some commitments over the weekend from Nebraska football, and maybe we'll have some more uh, transfer portal additions. So make sure that you guys uh, you know like the video, get into the comment section, you know let us know what you think about you know MJ Sherman and uh, Eric Gilbert and some of these 2023 uh, commitments coming in this weekend and uh, or recruits coming in this weekend, not commitments yet. Uh, well, we, well, we don't know. Don't don't count our eggs before they hatch, but uh, yeah. But let us know what you think about these guys, and uh, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss uh, any of our uh, podcast episodes or you know our other Husker updates. And uh, also make sure that you know you're checking out huskerbigred.com and thegreatcornholio.org so you can find a lot of our written work on the Huskers as well. And uh, we hope to see you around. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>